great to be with you uh, this morning. My name is Frank Leeson, and uh, my family is sitting in the back. We're visiting from uh, Germany, um, married to Tere, and we have three children, eight, 11, no, 12 since last week, and 13, and we're uh, back on our home assignment, and it's great to be back here with you at Grace and Colleen. My ministry is with Antioch Teams, and our focus is church planting in the German-speaking world, Austria, Germany, and Switzerland. That's where we'd love to see churches started, and we want to support them, especially during their first five years of development. And also one of our recent focus has been the refugee ministry, as we've had a lot of refugees coming into Germany. Um, the last few, uh, last few weeks, I believe, you've talked about um, the um, life of Abraham, in the Old Testament, and Abraham was uh, a man, called a man of faith, and uh, a promise was given to him that all the nations would be blessed through him, and each one of us is called a child of Abraham if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior rather than relying on our religious practices or works for salvation. We all become children of Abraham and followers of Jesus Christ. Now today I have a wonderful passage we can look at together that talks about and encourages us to spread this wonderful news of placing our faith in Jesus Christ as a way of salvation to all the people around us. That passage is in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 through 17. Um, this last year, one, over one million refugees have come into Germany and um, I know in this country there's been much debate also on the refugee situation. Should we let them come in? Uh, should we very, be very restrictive in letting refugees come in? All of these things were questions in Germany as well. And I thought long and hard about this question. And one thing has become clear to me. Uh, most world events happen without my consent. Um, most world or all world events, essentially, uh, are out of my control. In the end, I can't change anything about them. So the real question for me as a follower of Christ, what is in my control? What can I change? And from a kingdom perspective, I came to realize what I can do locally with the refugees is to go to them, uh, share the good news, help them, and give them an opportunity to hear about Christ. They come from, from broken countries, many disillusioned. Uh, for the first time for many, they have a chance to hear about Christ and the gospel, who Jesus is and what he has done. And there is a limited time of openness, I believe, spiritually, to move quickly to share the good news with them. So uh, we've been engaged with that, and I've got some pictures of meetings with refugees. Here's a party that an Afghan man uh, um, gave us in one of the refugee camps. We were there with a team from Round Rock uh, earlier this year. We had a wonderful experience, great openness, very hospitable. I'm going to show the next picture. There's a party where we invited about 50 refugees, uh, came to a local church. They ate in the church. They watched the Jesus film and appreciated very much pretty much all of them from a Muslim background. And this picture shows a group of Gambians that we've worked with also. 90%, I believe, in Gambia are, are, are Muslims. And again, very open and ready to engage with us. We've had a very good experience with them. The question for you and Colleen is the same question. What is in your control from a perspective 
uh, of, from God's perspective or kingdom perspective, what can you do? And we as believers possess um, the most valuable treasure on earth. We possess something that no one else can share, and that is the good news of Jesus Christ, how by simply placing your faith in Christ, you can receive forgiveness and eternal life. That is the most awesome message you could share with anyone at any time. Um, the best book on evangelism that I've read is from C.H. Spurgeon called The Soul Winner. I downloaded it for free on Google Books. I encourage you to do the same thing. And the title today for the sermon is Four Encouragements to Soul Winners. Uh, you might say, well, I'm not a soul winner. Uh, well, by the end of the sermon, I hope you'll want to become a soul winner, sharing the good news with others. So in honor of God's word, let us stand together as I read this passage, and then I'll pray with us, and you may sit down again. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 through 17. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but this man of sincerity as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for your word, which is active and powerful Speak to us this morning. Encourage us as we look around us and seek to share this good news with others. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This message is a message directed specifically as fo uh, at followers of Christ, you and me who've trusted Jesus as our Savior and want to share the good news. If you have not made that decision, this passage also maybe explains a little bit about the mystery of this message that has been proclaimed by the church uh, for the last 2,000 years. So the passage begins with the following words, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. The first encouragement to soul winners in this passage is, Our victory is secure. Our victory is secure in Christ. How can Paul say he always leads us in triumph? Paul was stoned, he was left for dead, he was put in prison, he was persecuted, and at the end he died as a martyr. How can he say that he's always being led in triumph? As you share the gospel and you are received with rejection, or as other believers around the world uh, share their faith and are put in prison or have to uh, or lose their lives for it, how can we say as believers we always follow Christ in a triumphal procession. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.13 about himself, we are like the world's garbage, like the filth of all things. How does this, with this passage of triumph, go together? The key here is that it is in Christ. This word triumph is used in one other place in the New Testament uh, where it talks about the cross of Christ. In Colossians 2, chapter 15, it says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame 
by triumphing over them in him. At the cross, our sins were forgiven. God put uh, this uh, list of debts against us, our sins, on the cross. He nailed it there. And anyone who's placed their faith in Jesus Christ, that debt is on the cross and left there. Our sins are forgiven, and we've received eternal life. So if there's any authority or power that would stand against us in accusation, or look at the sins, no, all those sins have been taken away. We've received eternal life, and no matter what happens to us in this life, we know our life will continue on. In that sense, all authorities in the world have been put to open shame at the cross. They've lost their power because in Christ the victory was already won. And so Christ leads us in a triumphal procession. Why? The war is over. The victory has been won on the cross. It's secure. Picture a king uh, back in those days coming back home from a battle, and the victory has been won. All his generals and soldiers are following him. They're coming back into their hometown. There's crowds cheering to the left and the right, uh, happy about the victory. That's the picture we see here. Christ has won the victory, and we share in this victory everyone who's placed their faith in Christ because the message of the cross has not left us unaffected. We are, we are forgiven. We received eternal life. We have triumphed in him. What we need to do is to change our perspective. Uh, think of an exam that you studied for uh, in high school or uh, in university. And you study hard for the exam, but there's a sense of insecurity or fear. You don't know exactly how it's going to go. Uh, you don't know uh, what is in the exam. You take the exam, it goes well, and there's a sense of satisfaction and contentment after you've gone through that process of work and little anxiety. Uh, that's the perspective we need to have as we look at the world events around us and as we share our own faith. The victory has been won. We can have a sense of peace, contentment, and confidence. No matter what happens in the world, Christ has already won. And no matter how people respond to our message, we share in this victory and our life is secure in Him. Now, as we follow Christ in the procession, what is our job? What are we to do? That's the second encouragement here in this passage. It's in the next part of this verse. Our task is clear. Our task is to make Jesus known. It says here, God spreads through us the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. This word fragrance uh, refers to an incense that was burnt during the religious or um, um, royal processions that happened at the time. So there was incense burned that would permeate through the whole crowd that was there. So not just the people in the first row would smell this, but all the people in the back, even the ones that couldn't see the procession, they would experience this procession. They could smell the incense. And like that, um, God spreads through us the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere with the bystanders who watch or see this procession of Christ. Who spreads the fragrance? It is through us, through Paul, through his followers, and anyone who's joined the procession. Where should we spread this fragrance? Everywhere. Wherever we set our foot, there is where we should share the good news. What is this fragrance? 
It is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Our task is clear. It is to spread the knowledge of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done for us. That's why it says in verse 17 in this passage, Paul says, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. We need to talk to people about our faith. We need to verbalize who Jesus is and what he did so people can hear and receive the knowledge. Our message centers on who Jesus is and what he has done. One thing the church possesses that no one else can share with others, that is the good news of Jesus Christ, how to receive eternal life for free by simply believing in Christ. It is the most exciting, amazing message we could share with anyone. There's a sense in our times that somehow it is not enough for us to share the gospel. And yet in Romans 1.16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. This old message of the gospel has the same power it has had over the last 2,000 years and in your own life. It can raise the debt, cancel out all debts against us, give us eternal life, and there's no other message like it. Um, There's a story of a man that I've heard um, who becomes a Christian. He works in an office, um, becomes a Christian, and decides he's going to live a really good life to show uh, that he has changed and he's become a believer. This goes on for many years. And then a colleague of his um, also becomes a Christian. And he goes back to this other man who's already been a Christian for many years and says, I've become a Christian. I've trusted Christ for my salvation. And the one that's been a Christian for a long time says, oh yeah, really? Me too. I'm also a Christian. And then the, newly, uh, the new convert says, well, that's, that's strange because I thought if someone can live such a good life as you do, you don't have to become a Christian. You need to share your faith so that others know that you're a believer, what you believe, and they have a chance to trust in Christ for their salvation themselves. Now, you feel like a failure before you even start? Do you feel like a failure because you've shared the good news and uh, you don't, uh, people haven't responded, they haven't trusted Christ yet, then the next encouragement is for you. Our ministry of sharing the good news is pleasing to God, no matter what. Read verse 15 with me. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. We are called the aroma of Christ to God. A different word is used from the word fragrance earlier. Uh, the aroma refers to this well-pleasing aroma of the burnt offerings in the Old Testament. It's not just a neutral term. It is well-pleasing to God. In the Old Testament, it's used concerning fire offerings and burnt offerings, first mentioned uh, when Noah gives a burnt offering after coming out of the ark He gives this offering. It is a well-pleasing aroma to God. It's used concerning the burnt offerings in the temple. And then, for example, in Ezekiel 20, uh, verse 41, it's used concerning the people of God themselves. As they had been scattered throughout the nations because of judgment, because of their sin, 
God brings them back and saves them, brings them back to Israel. And there he calls them, I will accept you as a pleasing aroma. Isn't it interesting that uh, the people of God in the Old Testament are called a pleasing aroma as God gathers them back into Israel. And we are called the pleasing aroma as we spread out among the crowds as we share the good news. And we are the aroma of Christ. The main point is here, as we spread the fragrance of sharing the gospel amongst all people, God is pleased with us. God loves it when we speak of Christ. It is like a pleasing aroma that enters the throne room of God as we share our testimony and what it means to believe in Jesus. As we are sharing our faith, first notice the two groups with whom we share the gospel. It is among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. You could say it is among those who are on the way of salvation and uh, among those who are on the way of destruction. The bystanders in this possession, from God's perspective, are always in those two categories, the narrow way of salvation or the broad way to destruction. Nothing will ever change that. There's one problem that we have that causes us not to share our faith, I think, and that is that we don't look at people in those two categories. We think all the people around us are pretty much like us. But from God's perspective, there's only these two groups. Imagine everyone around you are beggars. Uh, They are poor. They are filthy. They have dirty clothes, rotten clothes. They have nothing to eat. And also they are struck with a deadly disease. They are certainly going to die. You, on the other hand, you are rich. Uh, You are well-dressed. You smell good. Um, And you have the one cure, the one medicine that could... Uh, save everyone who's sick. Now, you go around helping people, but the one thing you don't do is share this medicine with the people around you. Now, doing good to others is a good thing. We should do good to all. But the best thing we have to offer is the gospel of Christ, the true cure to people being on the way to destruction. That is what we're called to share. The underlying reason we don't share our faith, I think, is because we don't look at people like this. People on the way to heaven, a real place, but people also on the way to hell, eternal separation from God. I think C.S. Lewis explained hell one time like this. Hell is the place void of all good. If you think of every breath you take as a blessing from God, every limitation of evil or pain, uh, a blessing from God, then imagining hell as a place where all these limitations are taken away and evil has free reign, um, you can imagine what a terrible place that is to be. And yet, the scriptures say people on the way to eternal life or on the way to eternal destruction. That is how we need to see people and should urge us to speak the message of Christ into their lives. Secondly, notice the effect we have on people as we share the good news. To one, we are a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. 
You might say for those uh, who are, uh, we are fragrance from death to death, these are the people who are spiritually dead, down, dead now. They don't have a relationship with Christ. They don't have spiritual life. And they do not accept the medicine we have to offer. They will continue into death in eternal separation from God. To the others, we are the fragrance from life to life. They receive the good news by faith. They receive life in abundance now, and they are going into eternal life in the presence of God forever. Imagine 100 people with this deadly disease, and 90 receive the medicine, but they won't take it because they don't believe it will save them. But 10 who receive it take it because they take the good news by faith. They place their faith in Christ as a way of salvation. For them, the good news has become eternal life. The main point in this passage is God loves it when we share the gospel. We are the aroma of Christ to God. It is like a fragrance that pleases God entering the throne room of heaven whenever we share the gospel. And God loves it, no matter if people receive the message or reject the message. Um, I saw this following picture recently in an event uh, that I attended, a, fire, uh, a, a, a picture of a fire extinguisher. And um, uh, this was in a facility, and there's a list of things you're supposed to do in case of fire. I hope uh, the people have time to read that list. Uh, when a fire breaks out, all the things they're supposed to do. Um, now, it's in German. Uh, the first thing it says there is not call 911. In German, that's 112. That's the second thing that's mentioned there. The first thing that it says there is save people. The first task people have in case of fire is go and save the people. Then call 911. Our first task as believers is to go and save people. Let them know who Christ is and what he's done for us. Don't wait for someone else to do it or call the other person to do that. We are called as those following Christ to be that aroma, the fragrance that spreads through the crowds, our neighbors, our friends, our family members, and let them know about Christ as we speak about him, as we test about, testify about him. So have a chance to know who he is and place their faith in Christ. We possess a message of life and death a message that decides on the eternal state of another person. And you could rightfully ask, well, do we, have what, do we possess what we need to have to share this message? How can, I, how can you and I be entrusted with such an important news? Look at our weaknesses and our limitations. And Paul gives the fourth encouragement in the next verse with his questions, who is sufficient for these things? He asked that question. Who is, has the ability to share this good news? Paul s- says this in view of the false teachers at the time. Uh, they had a message that didn't save anyone and had no spiritual power. They were out for a prophet, and so since they didn't have spiritual power, they had to show all these credentials, all their abilities in their own to impress people so that they would be listened to. So where does Paul get his competence from 
and where do we as believers get our ability from? He answers it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Our sufficiency comes from God alone and not from us. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. You don't need a list of credentials or be an extremely outgoing person and have a certain personality. You don't need a gift of speaking, all these other credentials that you might think you need. Our sufficiency is not in us. Our sufficiency rests alone in God and sharing this good news and letting it have the effect it is supposed to have on people. Our weakness and our limitations, in fact, are on purpose. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul says the following, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. You probably didn't know that jars of clay has to do with evangelism. Paul says we have this message of power in these earthen bodies, in these jars of clay in our weaknesses to make one thing clear, it's not us. The power rests with God alone, and that's our confidence. Our confidence is our ability is sufficient. We do have what it takes, each one of us, God has given us the ability and our weaknesses and limitations are on purpose to show it's God doing his work and not us. Um, I don't know if you've ever done a spiritual gifts test. Um, I have taken several and I've grown not to like them very much. Um, the interesting result of spiritual gifts, gifts tests seems to be that you pretty much already know the gifts you have. But then you see all the gifts you don't have, and you can put a check mark there. No, don't need to do that. Don't need to do that. Don't need to do that. And most likely for most of you, the gift of evangelism wasn't on that list. Don't need to do that. This passage tells us clearly every believer is part of this procession. Our victory is secure. Our task is clear. We share Christ verbally with other people. Um, our ability is sufficient as we do this. And our ministry is pleasing to God. Nothing can hold us back or should hold us back to be available to God to share the good news. Um, on July 21st, uh, Dave McMurray and I will offer a seminar on uh, helping you explain the gospel in three minutes. And the purpose is you may be mowing your lawn, you see your neighbor, you have a chance to chat a little bit, and you can explain to another person in a very simple way what it means to believe in Jesus Christ. I encourage all of you to be ready spiritually to share your faith. Start making a list of the people you know who don't know Christ yet and start praying for them regularly. Think about what God has done in your life that could be a testimony to another person so they see God is real in your life. He's changing things. He's speaking to you. Get ready to share the gospel and think of a simple way to explain what the cross means so that when God answers your prayer and he gives an opportunity to share, you're ready to speak into someone's life. Uh, we'd love for you to come on the 21st and learn more about this, but... 
This passage is incredibly encouraging to all of us as soul winners. I hope you'll want to be a soul winner now, trusting in these encouragements and that our victory is secure in Christ. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we stand amazed at your word. You love it when we share the gospel. You've made it very clear what our task is as we have joined the procession of following Christ in triumph. Our job is to spread uh, the fragrance of knowing Jesus Christ among all the bystanders, among all the people around us who don't know yet who you are and how to be saved. We pray many would respond by faith. They, don't would, they wouldn't reject that medicine uh, because they don't believe it works, but they would receive it and know, yes, it has the power to save, to raise the dead, to give eternal life by simply accepting it by faith. I pray for each one of us this week, give us a chance to share the good news with someone. And if there's someone here today who hasn't made that step of faith yet, I pray they would trust Christ for you are powerful. You forgive. And you and me pray. Amen.